0: The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM.
1: Welcome to the Big Red Bench Women's Sport Podcast. I'm your host Jer McCarthy and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at mccarthy 74 on this week's show. Our special guest is Irish Women's Senior International Basketball Captain Edel Thornton, who joins me to discuss their Ireland's recent internationals against Estonia and Portugal. AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach Mike Coran reviews the opening round of the new AFLW season and gives us all the latest news on all 22 Irish players Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie reviews this past weekend's Belgian Grand Prix with Verstappen, Hamilton and Alonso in the news Munster Women's Rugby Chairperson Wendy Keenan is back to review the Ireland Senior International Tour to Japan and all the latest club and interprovincial news Echolive.ie Camogie columnist Linda Mellick joins me to review the latest round of the 2022 SE Systems Cork Camogie Championship Echolive.ie and Echo Newspaper Chief Sub-Editor Rory Noonan is on the bench to review the second round of the 2022 Cork Ladies Football Club Senior Championship and we preview the upcoming matches over the coming weekend. That is all to come on this week's Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. AFLW expert and Aussie rules coach to the stars Mike Curran is back on the big red bench to review an unbelievably exciting opening round of the new AFLW season 7.0 down under. Mike and I run through every single one of the opening round games, analyse how all the Irish players fared and predict the outcome of some of next week's big matchups. We also have the latest AFLW Ireland Irish Player of the Year season standings after the opening round of matches. It is finally here after weeks and months of uh, preseason and preparations and. Uh Off-field decisions, historic moments, the AFLW season 7.0 has kicked off and round one is in the books and one of the people who is still wrecked, tired from watching and trying to put it make sense of it all is our resident Big Red Bench AFLW expert and AFLW Ireland coach to many, all the Irish players that are all 22 that are out there have some connection with this man and that is Mike Curran. Mike, you're very welcome. How are you?
2: What a weekend it's been to start off AFLW Season 7.
1: That's putting it mildly before we launch into the Round 1 recap. Something you wanted to mention this week. It's it's not just all action and all excitement. There's a lot of emotion this time around as well for the players and for yourself as well because this is an historic moment for Irish players playing in Australia.
2: It is, jer And it, look, it's just something that, that's kind of started in the build-up middle of last week, Windsor Ice, through the weekend. And... Um, as you say just that there's a feeling this time around there's a wave of emotion I actually thought it was just me because three of the players that I worked with to get over there this year were making their debuts and stuff but next thing we started getting messages coming through day and night from here from Australia and it was literally people telling us they were watching the games they were just breaking out in tears they couldn't understand it like that there was this strong such a strong connection this time around that people were saying it's almost it's almost bigger than sport you know I think it started off on Wednesday night with the first episode of the fearless docuseries and anyone that has been got to watch that we'll have a wave of emotion straight away and our breed stack in Cork featured heavily in that but then even running through the weekend the first season that there's 18 full teams with four teams making their debuts with games we played at Marvel Stadium and seeing big crowds there with uh, the likes of the Irish players Joanne Doodan running around Marvel Stadium with a tricolour debut wins for Vicky Wall and Eric O'Shea, and we had a watch party with their families and that was that was very exciting and emotional a video from Dumbain uh, showing support for Vicky Wall that's gone viral yes, it, it so here is. in Australia you know it, it was just from the start of the weekend to the end um, there definitely was that feel that, that we've reached a point that's something special and it's beyond sport and I don't know it's almost as if it's getting to the core of equality and there's a way of emotion and pride and excitement um, as to where the game is at and, and even more so as to where the game can go in the future but definitely a lot more people tuning in and enjoying it.
1: Absolutely and very well said yeah. and absolutely right. I've never known um, a pre-season to AFLW and I, I have a specific interest in it like yourself but the amount of people talking and the social media coverage in the trending it's growing 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 and it's growing because we've round one in the books which kicked off on Thursday night between Carlton and Collingwood and the Magpie's coming away here with a big win.
2: Yeah, let's get into it. The traditional season opener, Carlton versus Collingwood. This is the seventh season, the seventh time they've met. Carlton have now a winning streak of four games in a row um, against, uh, or Collingwood have won the last four in a row, where Carlton won the first three. So the momentum has definitely swung in the Magpies' uh, favour. The Magpies won by 18 points after dominating territory for most of the game, in fairness, um, despite Carlton kicking the opening goal. They won the inside 50 counts. Their forward pressure was outstanding as always. That's one of the hallmarks of their play and this would have been typified by our own Aisling Sheridan who was absolutely brilliant, 14 disposes overall and she had 5 tackles as a forward Um, she does it consistently season in, season out and another great display from her Um, and that sort of forward pressure forces defenders into poor decisions uh, so a great win for Collingwood we didn't see Sarah Rowe this weekend of course who was serving her one match suspension and of course that's slightly unusual in itself in that it was from the last game of last season so as she mentioned herself during the week she's had that hanging over for her for four months where normally it'll be done and dusted in a week so she's looking forward to be back in action we've no doubt we'll see her back next weekend in round two where Collingwood take on Sydney at Victoria Park and they'll be expected to go the two wins from two games at that one and next up for Carlton is, is Essendon
1: next weekend Excellent stuff and yeah you could just imagine Sarah Rowe will be like a spring coil ready to run, ready to go that first tackle whoever gets it from Sarah Rowe is going to feel it I can tell you that now but great to hear that she's uh, she'll be back in action very very soon on Friday the 26th of August uh, Adelaide Crows and Melbourne Demons met and obviously on this year's roster Ashling Ailish Considine and Neef Kelly are on the uh, Adelaide roster and Sinead Goldrick and Blaine Mackin on Melbourne Melbourne's lined up but it was Melbourne um, who came out on top as expected Mike
2: Oh, I, I don't. I don't think as expected w- w- with the with the way that they did. It, but definitely wasn't a shock. But I suppose it was a massive win and an early statement. and a marker from Melbourne who avenged their grand final defeat to the Crows last year with a win by eighteen points. Interestingly, again as a side note, the Crows have now lost all their grand final rematches. Every time they won a grand final, they've lost wow. the rematch. their first game of the following season. I don't think they're they're going to get um, read too much into that at the moment yet. But it's more so um, a significant win, I suppose, for Melbourne. They went up to Adelaide, um it was the Crows first time navigating a season without Aaron Phillips who of course has gone to cross town rivals Port Adelaide but we saw some of the big name players stand up on both sides in fairness the likes of Anne Hatchard from the Crows playing her 50th game of course we had also Taylor Harris playing her 50th game on the other side for the Demons there was one particular instance where they were involved in one crash of a tackle it's worth watching on the highlights Uh, then the likes of Chelsea Randall the captain was brilliant as well but it was really the Melbourne midfield who uh, were brilliant throughout from start to finish and they suffocated the Adelaide game plan. So a massive win for Melbourne on this one. We had the potential to have four Irish players involved. As it turned out, we just had the one player in Neve Kelly making her club debut for Adelaide Crows. So great to see her get her debut. She only had a couple of touches across the game and she was on and off. So obviously it's going to take a few games for her to settle into the, the Crows style of play and all that. Eilish Constant didn't feature this weekend. Hopefully we see her across the next couple of weekends. And on the Melbourne side then, Sinead Goldrick is currently sidelined due to a knee injury with a return time of one to three weeks. So she might be back next week. It might be another week or two, hopefully sooner rather than later. Um, But they managed quite fine without her, in fairness and of course uh, blind Macken was listed as an emergency player this weekend so I have a feeling we may see her next weekend for the big clash against North Melbourne and that game has been moved to the MCG so what a story that would be if she makes her debut this weekend after kicking a goal there a couple of weeks ago in the practice match uh, so hopefully we see her and that game of course is before the Melbourne team and Sydney Swans men's preliminary final as well so great excitement ahead of that one
1: yeah and what a venue to take it to the MCG one of the iconic uh, stadiums not just in Australia but in the world and and um, a fantastic advert now again for AFLW by having two such talented teams because the Demons will be taking on a North Melbourne Kangaroos side that are coming off a 40-14 to 14 win over the Gold Coast Suns. And Vicky Wall making her presence felt. And Erica O'Shea before, during and after the match um, being very prominent on social media for the Kangaroos, Mike.
2: Yeah, big showing from the Irish players. And this was the one that everyone was looking forward to. Of course, we held a watch party on social media ourselves. And we had the Wall family up in Dumbine and the O'Shea's and McCroom all tuned in together And uh, we were kind of following the game on WhatsApp and they were asking to explain stuff and what happened there and what was this route. And it was was brilliant (laughs) to be involved with the two families and great excitement in both households, of course. And and we also had a video that we mentioned earlier from Dunbarin, a message of support for Vicky Wall, and that's gone viral. There's been TV stations from Australia on asking can they use that clip in their highlights across the next couple of days. So just, again, a brilliant side story to it all. But in terms of the game itself, A massive win for North. A big statement win for them. They were super impressive from start to finish. uh, No more so than their 250 gamers. So we saw a lot of players playing their 50th milestone games at the weekend. Uh, That was Emma Kearney and Jasmine Garner for Melbourne who dominated the midfield. We also had three goals up front from their tall forward, Talia Randall. And Melbourne have three super tall forwards and they've already proven that they're going to be a threat. Uh, But also we have a massive showing from Vicky Wall in her first game. She was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Uh, She had nine disposals in total. She took five marks, so she is going to be a key marking forward, no doubt about it, in her first game. But the other stat that really stands out for Vicky is seven tackles. We wondered, would her physicality transfer across to the game? And safe to say, it definitely has... um, so she was on fire for the Kangaroos. We also saw, saw Eric O'Shea playing across the back line. Again, a very solid display from America. Great speed, great ability to cover the ground. Uh, already showing great awareness for the game and I suppose uh, Darren Crocker the coach highlighted afterwards that already in game one both those players have highlighted the attributes that attracted them to the club in the first place so a brilliant start for the the two Irish players So, and of course a double debut win both of them playing the first game so great excitement in the wall and O'Shea household after that match
1: Indeed and plenty more excitement to come in both of those households Um, and that's one hell of a watch party to be part of I must try and muscle in on that one the next let me know when that's going because I'd love for to see sure, the reaction of the families sure. uh, the Kangaroos hit 40 points in that win over the Gold Coast Suns as you've just outlined as did Ashley McCarthy's West Coast Eagles uh, they beat the Port, Port Adelaide 40-28 in their season opener
2: for sure Look, at before this, the Eagles have never previously won an opening round game in the season, but they did that this time around, and they did it in style. They actually came from behind against Port Adelaide, who were probably the, one of the stronger of the four expansion teams uh, with a strong finish. There were two goals down at three-quarter time and went on to win the game by, by 12 points, scoring four goals in a row in that final quarter, and that was all kick by Aisling McCarthy, who was absolutely brilliant this time around. Bear mm. in mind, she just backed from injury as well. She was actually named the best on ground. She had 18 disposals. She kicked that goal, eight tackles, and she was all over the place. She was doing a shutdown job on Aaron Phillips, one of the biggest stars in the game. Yeah. And she held Aaron Phillips, so I think it was 10 disposals, which is her lowest disposal count in the last three or four seasons um, ever. So brilliant from Ash Mac. Um, and it just shows that when she's on form she has the potential to be one of the best players in the competition her goal is already nominated for for goal of the year for round one Uh, she was the best on ground for for the Eagles and we have some more news on her towards the end of the podcast as well but absolutely brilliant great to get the win next up uh, Port Adelaide play against the Bulldogs at Adelaide Oval and the Eagles head to Queensland for Gold Coast Suns and they'll probably fancy themselves for a second win there against the Suns as well and what a start that would be to the season for them
1: Indeed, it would be. And a very powerful performance, as you said. And speaking of powerful performances, St Kilda, uh, who have got Clara Fitzpatrick and Grace Kelly on their roster for this coming season, uh, putting up 56 points in their defeat of the Sydney Swans. a dark game for Sydney, but a big win for St Kilda as expected, Mike.
2: Yeah, it was a historic game for for the Swans, their first um, AFLW game ever. Of course, it was home in North Sydney Oval. Um, they were they were impressive in the first quarter, riding the wave of emotion. But from the first quarter on, I think St Kilda kind of dominated the game. Kate Shearlaw kicked four goals for them up front, and that did the most damage. Um, of course, uh, we had in terms of the Irish involvement, Cara Fitzpatrick back. After two seasons away due to visa issues and an ACL injury, she met a number of important intercept marks. She's going to be a key defender for St. Kilda. Um, she had 11 disposals across the game. Um, very impressive. Great to see her back in action. Uh, Grace Kelly didn't play this weekend. Will we see her back? Possibly um, her prognosis is also another week or two. So hopefully in round two, uh, if not the following week.
1: Excellent stuff. The headline act on Saturday Night Late, of course, was moved to Marvel Stadium. Such was the interest and such was the excitement about the first ever... Clash between Essendon and Hawthorne in such a magnificent setting for the AFLW. It was the proper headline act to have as the two best teams, an age-old rivalry. Um, obviously, this season, Irish interest for Essendon with Joanne Dunan and Megan Ryan on the roster, while Hawthorne will have uh, Aileen Gilroy and Áine McDonough uh, from Galway as well. But uh, in the end, it was Essendon who, the Bombers running out by 26 points uh, here with 53 to 27. But I guess, whatever about the result, Mike, the occasion and the fact that it was such an important moment for AFLW, um, it delivered, and that was the big thing.
2: It definitely did. Look, it was the expansion of the or the battle of the expansion teams. It was the battle of the great rivals. They did a promo video before the game where some Hawthorne greats left messages of support to the team. Everybody's aware of the Big Dipper, Robert Dipper Domenico from the international rules going way back. Yes. and in that message, he said, Remember what we like about Essendon, nothing. So <laughs> this rivalry runs deep. Uh, but look, when it came to the action, then. Obviously, it was great to see the two players were now, or the two teams were now, on Marvel Stadium. The Bombers were the better team for most of the night. 14 of the Bombers team had previous AFLW experience against nine of the Hawthorne team. And that just started to show a little bit in terms of the Hawks decision making around the ground that let them down a little bit at times, but still a very solid start for the Hawks. And of course, um, the Irish involvement on the night then, we saw Aileen Gilroy club debut for Hawthorne she continued as she left off she had nine disposals and there were nine kicks so no change there from her kangaroo days get it on the boot and one of those um, led to one of the highlight goals for the night as well um, Joanne and then on, on the other side an amazing story for her and amazing images of her as we touched on earlier with the tricolour at Marvel Stadium at the end of the game what a personal jersey journey she's been on uh, a solid performance as well for Joanne eight disposals for the for the night and um, and delighted to to get the win. So, yeah, it was the battle of the expansion teams. From a Hawthorne point of view, a line has been crossed in the sand. They've played the first game, and Beck Goddard, their coach, was a bit of a personality and does things differently, actually poured a bag of sand across the door of the dressing room so that they crossed the line in the sand. So that was a significant moment at the start of the game as well. And uh, Hawthorne looked like they're definitely going to get better as the weeks go on.
1: Indeed they do Uh, but a very impressive score from Essendon as well a big moment for the AFLW and a a highlight as I said on a Saturday night it looked fantastic in such a magnificent setting in that Marvel Stadium but it brought the curtain down a very uh, successful Saturday uh, suite of games on Sunday uh, the Western Bulldogs proved too strong for the Giants winning 41-34 but from an Irish point of view a big day for Coruscant and Mike and also for Breed Stack who performed very well
2: it was a big day for both of them in fairness and the Bulldogs led from the start to finish in this one despite the fast finishing Giants in a very even game and with a growing rivalry developing between these two teams now across the last couple of seasons um Cora Staunton almost hauled GWS over the line herself she just showed no sign of slowing down three goals absolutely brilliant each of them was a a class goal um bringing her career goals total to 50 goals. Absolutely unbelievable. Only one player has scored more goals than her at this stage, and that turns out to be Darcy Vesio, the Carlton star, who scored one at the weekend to put her on 51. She's got 51 goals from 50 games. Cora Stanton's got 50 goals from 41 games, so she's nine games behind. But I i have a feeling we'll see Cora with that standalone record at the end of the season if if round one is is anything to go by. Uh, so absolutely brilliant. Um, we did see signs of the new Giants game plan, which involves more direct movement of the ball and quicker up the middle of the ground. And Breedstack Stack was instrumental in that. She was brilliant in fairness. She had 15 disposals, which I think is a career high for her. And she's playing um, with some freedom in this new role, running carry off the back line. And she was instrumental from start to finish and is also growing into a leader on that team. So exciting to see Breeden and Cora. I know regardless of individual performances, they're both disappointed with the results because they want to win. So and um, they'll be looking to bounce straight back in round two.
1: Yes, and just to add to that, if you haven't already done so on the Irish Examiner dot uh, website, uh the uh, first of Breed Stacks dispatches from uh, this year's AFLW. she writes a, a column uh, each week of the season in the on the Irish Examiner. Brilliant, brilliant insight to exactly what you just said about the uh, using the weapons as her coach pointer. When he asked her what are her best weapons, ca- run and carry, carry and run and let and dispose the ball. And she's certainly uh, somebody capable of doing that. But I don't think I the correspondent. I just look at her every game. I see her now, and she just gets better and better it's unbelievable great to see those two players doing so well for the Giants and you're right two people who will not care about being doing well because they've lost and they will look to bounce back as quickly as possible on Sunday as well we had the Brisbane Lions uh, easily overcoming free off 76-27 but Orla O'Dwyer from Tipperary uh, let's talk about her Mike because she certainly made her mark on this one
2: she sure did. Look, this was one of the games that we thought was going to be one of the crackers of the weekend. As it turns out, it ended up being a pretty emphatic, emphatic victory for the Lions by 44 points at the Gabba in front of their home ground uh, against the fellow defeated preliminary finals, the Dockers, from last year. The Dockers were missing a few players they had five new faces. They're missing a few key players through injury. They lost two players in the second quarter uh, through head injuries as well. That's not an excuse from then on. The Lions just outgunned them. And the main reason for that was Ordo Dwyer, who was simply brilliant again. Just remember, she's only returned to physical contact two weeks ago after a a shoulder surgery. So she's only been back in physical contact for two weeks, and she produced a a display like that. 20 disposals, two brilliant goals off her left. Um, tackles. She was everywhere all around the ground. So, yeah, a best and ground performance from Ordo Edwire, uh, looking like she's in great form at the start of the season. This was the game that had the most Irish involvement across the weekend. We had four players involved, which was brilliant to see. So we'd order on the line side. Then we had the three Irish players at the Dockers with... Amy Mulholland and Orla Lally both making their debut. What a story for Amy Mulholland. She got a goal with her first kick of the game. Absolutely brilliant. So a a goal at the Gaba on her debut for Amy. That was fantastic. Orla Lally played mainly in the backs of the the full back line and the half back line. So in her first game, she settled into the game really well as it went on. And she's going to get better and better as the weeks go on as well. But brilliant to see her make her debut. And I know they were all excited up in Meath for that one. And then, of course, Anya Thai. Uh, was very good again for the Dockers. She battled hard despite the tide going against her. She got a vital goal at a time when it looked like the Dockers were going to come back into it a little bit. And she took a number of key marks as well. She had three marks for the day, so she's still going to be a tall target whether she plays in the forward line or the half forward line. So fantastic to see four Irish players involved, the most of any game. And it's a big win for the Lions. There would always be a contender probably after this weekend now. Themselves and Melbourne are the standout contenders straight away, and Fremantle Dockers will want to bounce back from that one pretty quickly.
1: Indeed they will and well done to all four Irish players there as I said already taking the headlines but isn't as you said it's great to see four uh, representatives in the one match and uh, you know Free are going to bounce back from that as quickly as you said as possible as they can the final match of a very uh, entertaining opening round weekend Uh, Rachel Kearns' Geelong uh, getting the win over the Cats put a low scoring encounter Mike but they got the win and that was the key thing
2: they got the win, but unfortunately, the main talking point from this game would be a, a potentially serious injury to Rachel Cairns. So very disappointed to see her go off in the, at the end of the first quarter with a, a serious-looking shoulder injury after she was um, her shoulder made contact with the ground after a very strong tackle. Um, the game was stopped for a considerable period of time, but thankfully Rachel was able to get to her feet and walk off the ground. Uh, Cats have since updated that it's an AC joint um, injury to her shoulder, so we don't have a prognosis on time on that yet. I'd I suspect it's definitely going to be a, a significant amount of time, but hopefully I'm wrong, and we wait for further clarification from the club when they get through their scans and stuff at the start of the week. Uh, so she'll be disappointed Um on that one but of course on a positive note yeah, we saw an actually a dramatic comeback Geelong were behind for most of the game and they won the game with, with a free kick in the last minute uh, a goal from that uh, just to go in front with literally I think 30 seconds left so a good win for Geelong and hopefully um we will see Rachel back in action at some stage in the season and we wish her well with her recovery.
1: Absolutely yes and as you said somebody um, suffering uh, in the first week it's horrible to to go through something like that. Uh, You're you're practicing and you're getting ready and it's a big moment for you but unfortunately for Rachel she suffered that injury but knowing Rachel as you've said two time all star and multi talented sports talented person she's going to bounce back as quickly as possible. That's the roundup, and we finish up this week Mike with news of the IFLW Ireland player of the year standings for the Irish Players,
2: yeah. Look at the, um, the it's it's our first round FLW Irish player of the year. The winner this week is Ashley McCarthy, no doubt about it. She scored a phenomenal ranking points of 99 points, but it, it was always to anyone watching, um. She had the, she's a nomination for, for goal of the year already for round one. Uh, she was the best on ground for the Eagles, absolutely dominating up front and in that shutdown role on, on Aaron Phillips. She, was, she got the play of the day, the accolades are rolling in uh, since the weekend. Brilliant to see her back, and she's going to be fierce if she can stay injury-free because remember, she's had three um, ham- injury-hampered seasons previous to this up to now, so it would be brilliant to see her get through the season.
1: Excellent stuff Round 1 is in the books uh, So much to talk about So many talking points And we'll be looking ahead And reviewing Obviously Round 2 Which takes place this weekend Lots of Irish interest Once again But for now Mike Ryan. It's great to have it all back It's great to be talking about AFLW And we look forward to talking to you again On the big red bench next week
2: Definitely Darren. Hopefully we will see Another few um, debuts From some of the Irish players This weekend as well uh, Which will add another layer Of excitement to it But yeah Roll on Round 2
0: Big Red Bench Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.
1: Delighted to have Ireland's senior women's basketball team captain Edel Thornton from the Singleton Super Value Brunel Club in Cork joining me once again on the Big Red Bench to review Ireland's recent doubleheaders against Portugal and their two big wins over Estonia. Edel also looks ahead to Ireland's FIBA Eurobasket 2023 qualifiers against the Netherlands and Czech Republic and the pre-season ahead of the new Super League, which is imminently upon us. Uh, Now we're delighted once again here on Cork's Red FM's big red bench to welcome back the Irish senior women's basketball captain, Idel Thornton, um, who's been very, very busy with the Irish international team of late. The last time we spoke, Ireland were coming off a fantastic two-game series, Gotham Drywall Series, uh, victory over Estonia since then, uh, which is what we're going to talk about Idel today they have been in Portugal uh, against a high-ranked Portuguese team uh, Portugal series two games in two days to find out who that went and what they got out of it first of all let's welcome Idel. Idel how are you?
3: I'm great, Jared. Uh, Thanks
1: for having me. Yeah, great to have you back on. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to speak to us. Um, when yeah. we last spoke, uh, we were coming off, as I said, Ireland were coming off a very, very impressive two, game, two games, uh, two victories over Estonia. In Portugal, the results went against Ireland uh, in that you lost both games. But there's a bigger picture here, I'm sure, that you, you're e- eager to tell me about, and that is the fact that this Portuguese team is much higher ranked than Ireland and we're clearly uh, a very, very powerful unit.
3: Uh, yeah um, I suppose going into the trip, we all knew that they were ranked higher than we were, but we were very uh, ambitious in going there, and we were hoping to get the win and to be honest, we could have definitely gotten a win in one of the games, hundred percent especially that second one there yeah. we we went on a couple of runs and we we brought it within six and um, within four a couple of times, so we definitely could have gotten we could have gotten the win um and that Portugal team just to give a i suppose an idea of how a caliber they were actually beat Bosnia who are going to the world uh, championships in September so like we definitely put it up to them so as a high caliber team they were we did really really well like
1: Yes, and the box score from that particular match backs up exactly what you're saying. I mean, a slow start, which is, I think, something that you'd, you'd be quick to admit in your coach. James Weldon was very quick to admit, look, the slow start kind of cost you in both games. But you bounce back yeah. from being 17-9 down, you bounce back to just 36-26, then 60-43, and you only lost out by 10 in, in the end mm-hmm. of that second game. And as you said, on, on a couple of occasions, more than a couple of occasions, you went on a mm-hmm. decent scoring burst. What kind of confidence does that give, not just somebody like yourself, but the the younger players that were part of the Irish team, and um, to know that they can mix it with one of the best teams in Europe.
3: Oh, I think it's huge for us. Um, and to be honest, as a whole, we're quite young, so it's, it's such a boost for us to kind of really put ourselves up against the best and not be not lose by a lot. I think that's that's the big thing for us is to actually understand how good we can be, and those those scoring bursts can happen for longer for us. And I think if the more we play these big and high-ranked teams, the better we'll get at kind of levelling out scoring bursts and not having them come in sporadic moments and be able to play for a longer period of time at that level um, and to be able to defend and not let the other team score an awful lot. Because I, I suppose that's what happens to us against Portugal. Like, we'd go on our run, they'd go on their run, but we'd let their run be longer than ours. So I think it's, it's a real learning curve for the younger girls just to know that, like, we need to cut off their bursts a bit A bit quicker and kind of have ours go on for a bit longer so we will get there and like James has been brilliant and getting us these high calibre games like has been really really beneficial for us as a team.
1: Yeah and it's clear to see that even from his own comments and from the way you're speaking there. Going up against these better teams is going to bring you all along, but one thing I was interested mm-hmm. in asking you, Edel, because you've played and you 're a captain of the you 're an international captain it 's one thing to go toe to toe with these teams and try and out shoot them and try and get your defense in your shape right. Talk to me about the physicality and the difference yeah. in the physicality at international level at international level mm-hmm. against this kind of a Portuguese team as an example
3: yeah um I suppose for myself it's it was a big up there now against Portugal um even from going from Estonia to Portugal, the physicality went up again. Um, I don't know. I don't really know how to describe it other than you do have to feel it to believe it. Because um, a lot of people, you know, you try to prepare people for how physical it is and it's not until they step on the floor that they can really understand. But like, just the simple thing of me moving to get into position for an offense, you're not allowed. <laughs> you know, those, they won't allow you to just walk past them and set the screen or they won't. Allow you, they won't switch off for a second, so you don't really, um, you can't switch off either. So the physicality is constantly, constantly there, and wherever you go on the court, like the girls inside are getting bumped around, whereas we're getting physically bumped on the outside as well. And I suppose, um, just in, t- in basketball terms, like there'll be an awful lot of like posts to guard screens, which would be like bigger players to smaller players. And sure, their bigger players are much bigger than what I'm used to facing on a weekly basis in the Super League so like getting hit by them is an awful lot different than getting hit by a big girl here like but you know it's something that we have to get used to and I think the younger girls coming up will be used to it because they've they've played at that level for longer than some of us
1: Yeah and that's very interesting the way you're describing it there I mean it's obviously something difficult to describe you have to actually get physically hit I would imagine as you said when you're trying to, the screens are coming up and then you go whoa Um, but that's the experience, that's the kind of thing that young Irish international basketball players, if we're going to progress and we are going to progress, these are hugely important uh, experiences to have albeit like you know it's in a challenge kind of environment, it's not in a a qualifier environment but I would imagine you will take, it's obvious you're going to take a lot back from those four games into the Super League and everybody else who was on the Irish team is going to do the same now.
3: Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I suppose we all spoke as a team and like when you're in that environment you're so motivated to be better and we're going straight in after the international window now back into our clubs for pre- pre-season. So everyone, I know I came in and kind of, you know, like, I kind of explained it to the girls of how high a level we have to play this year in the Super League for our, for our national teams to do better. Like, And it's it's not just for National team, it's for everyone in the country, I suppose. And if we can play at a higher level, and we can all go back to our clubs and make sure that our clubs are playing at that level, it's only getting better. Like, and it's I just I'm watching the under-16 girls play Serbia here, and you know they put it up to them, and it's just amazing to think that a few years in the turnaround that we're we're competing against some of the best countries in the world at under-16s Europeans. So just for those girls to be competing at that level, all the way up, and then they can get to Super League and bring that physicality to Super League as well. It'll, it'll be really interesting.
1: Indeed it will. You mentioned the Irish under-16s an absolute heartbreak against uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina for people who don't know in the the FIBA under-16 Women's European Championship they fought back unbelievably well only to suffer late heartbreak in the final quarter but that experience Mm -hmm. and those players like similar to the senior side and you make a very good point when the senior team gets these experiences against Portugal and the boost of the victories over Estonia it clearly rubs off on the other age groups and we don't don't have time to go through all the age groups but the under-16 teams in particular, yeah. like to come, like to lose 60-55 to Bosnia-Herzegovina for people in the know in yeah. women's basketball. That is an amazing <laughs> performance and a fantastic result and sets them up, hopefully, for when they go up against, um, you know, a bigger and better opposition as time goes on.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I suppose those girls will, I suppose a core group for them will probably play under-18s and under-20s and then filter into the super league. I mean, the senior team, so like, I, they're getting these experiences so young where some of us missed out on that age like when I was younger we didn't have all those teams coming yeah. in through so it's it's just lovely and I like, to see where like the team that I'm on at the moment and how good we could be and some of us missed out on those opportunities it's so exciting to see what these like the younger girls are going to do when they get to this opportunity where they had these where they, they had those experiences growing
1: up like Indeed. Well, that brings the end an end to the international window, as you said, and already, even from listening to uh, Singleton, Super Value, Brunel, clearly are getting ready, if not already, back in the throes of pre-season for the upcoming Super League. How much are you looking forward to it now? I mean, the, the start of it again. I mean, this is the time of year when everybody's buzzed. Every, I, don't know, I don't know if players are you now when they're going through their pre-season. <laughs> I can wait for the answer there. But from a supporters and for people who love watching uh, basketball, not just in Cork, but throughout the country and women's basketball in particular, I get the feeling last year from covering it here on behalf of Red FM, like the, you were right that the standard is slowly increasing all the time. There are still a couple of clubs that dominate at the start, but there's a couple of other clubs just simmering below the boil that might be make, ready to make a move this year. And does that include Singleton, Super Value, Brunel? 100%. Um,
3: everyone is really, really excited to get going. And I think last year, the standard of the league went up and I think this year it'll go up again. Um just with the caliber of players that we have and the competitiveness, that's the thing. And like everyone fights for the team that they're on, and that's the that's the big thing. And I just think it's, it'll be really it'll be a really fun year. And um, I know we're really excited to get going and to get the Americans in and see and see how good we can be and just I suppose build on last year's success <clears throat> and hopefully come out this year with a trophy. Like and um, and that's what everyone is aiming for. So this this time of the year is like it's really exciting, but. You kind of just want to get going now, especially for players. who are just like, there's only so much you can do running up and down. But um, I suppose October 1st is when we start. We have a long way to go, but we get a few uh, scrimmages in against some other teams, I suppose, in the meantime and just see where everyone is at. And I think everyone, everyone in the country is just excited to get going.
1: Oh, man, you've, you've sold it. You should get into the marketing side of the league because uh, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting excited to listen, talking to you about it now. But yeah. um, October 1st won't be long in coming around, um, on, yeah. as you know. But uh, listen, uh, Irish International Senior Basketball Captain Edel Thornton, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on the Big Red Bench. We wish you well uh, and single Super Valley Brunel in the preseason. And we will be talking to you and a, a, lot, a, lot, a lot of more uh, Brunel players as well as the season progresses. But uh, once again, thank you very, very much for your time.
0: No, thanks, Lily. Thanks, you. The Big Red Bench. On. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm.
1: Cork's Red FM resident Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie is back for another weekly segment reviewing all the latest F1 news. We have a full review of the Belgian Grand Prix, Lewis Hamilton versus Fernando Alonso, Max Verstappen and Red Bull supremely dominant at Spa, George Russell taking it to the Ferries and almost coming out on top and Sarah also has all the latest news in Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo. It's that time of the week again here on The Big Red Bench where we talk Formula One all things Formula One and we will uh, the core of what we're talking about this week obviously is the review of this past weekend's Belgian Grand Prix but before we talk to our resident Cork Street FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie I'm going to read her a quote and see what she says about it and the quote is Sarah we had a mega start but this guy only knows how to drive and start in first uh, why does he close the door I just don't understand that quote is from Mr. Fernando Alonso about uh, Sir Lewis Hamilton uh, taking him out in the first corner of the Belgian GP, or trying to take him out at the first corner of this weekend's Belgian GP, uh, and then ending up, unfortunately, from uh, McLaren's point of view, in Hamilton having to retire. Um, we'll talk about the aftermath of those quotes afterwards, but as a card carrying member of the Sir Lewis Hamilton fan club, your, your, your reaction to Alonso's statement? <laughs>
4: I think the same as a lot of people. I, so I heard it and it took me a second and I was like, oh, that was rather personal. <laughs> um, it almost seemed as if, and it came out so immediately, it almost seemed as if he had been sort of like storing it up over the years, kind of waiting to say something with a bit of venom. I, I look, I wasn't that surprised. Um, you know, there was no love lost between those two when they were at, you know, McLaren together. and Very true. It's, I, I really wasn't surprised. I think I appreciated that Lewis owned up to it afterwards. He was like, look, totally my fault. Like, you know, obviously wasn't, wasn't one of my finer moments. Um, so I think that's fine. And I agreed with the, you know, the decision that it was a racing incident. I think these are the things we see all the time. And if it was any other two drivers, we might not even be as concerned. It might not be as much of a conversation, but yeah, they you know, there is bitterness there certainly, and I, I wasn't I wasn't shocked to to hear him say something like
1: that. Yeah, I was I was amused at your, your, your Twitter feed, which is always essential reading anytime there's a Grand Prix on <laughs> Mac tweets, everyone get on it because um I was laughing out loud when I saw this like, Oh yeah, Fernando, is that what we're saying? Because this this guy is is the guy that's looking at Hamilton after he left left McLaren and kind of going or Mercedes whatever and going that could have been me. I mean obviously Mm -hmm. there was a lot of things went on and he had to move on, but like it could well have been him with a few of those World Championships. So I I I understand the kind of grating nature of Formula One drivers. It's very much they live in an island. It's all about them. Um, But it was just so funny to hear those those comments at the time. And I thought even funnier uh, as ever Hamilton was magnanimous afterwards. Admitted it was his mistake. But on Sky then they told him what Alonso said. He said, "Well, I haven't heard what he said, so no, I'm not going to go and talk to him." If that's we feel so it's like oh lads <laughs> we, the, yeah. we need to drive to survive series just for these two um <laughs> that was one incident of uh of a race dominated uh throughout the weekend from start to finish qualifying and even though he was at the back of the grid max Verstappen and Red Bull completely and a little bit too dominant for my liking I'll explain why in a, in a sec Sarah but um you, you can't take it away from Red Bull and Verstappen what a race from where he came from to win it fully deserved
4: hundred percent. Um, a lot of the drivers even even after qualifying when they knew he was starting fourteenth, an awful lot of the drivers were basically saying, Look, he's gonna win it tomorrow. Um, you don't typically hear that level of sort of uh you know, it's like a pre defeat, like they were just expecting, you know, they just they understand and they accept how, how much strength he has this year and I think I do agree as well, though, that it kind of got a bit boring. I think, like, the middle stint of the race, unfortunately, there was very little happening. We had a couple of really great overtakes from Esteban Ocon. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel drove a good race. But I think, by and large, it was the Max Verstappen show. And, it, you know, we've, we've had this with dominant drivers in the past. Like, obviously, Lewis being the most recent one, we had it with Schumacher. Like, it does get to a point where... The inevitability spoils the entertainment a little bit, um, at least at the front, which I suppose is then when you start looking further back and nothing wrong with it. Just that, you know, we're in one of those periods where he is very dominant and Red Bull seem to have just, you know, the the secret sauce and, uh, and you know, they're, they're certainly not going to back off.
1: No they're not When you see him uh, Verstappen Like slicing through The the entire race <laughs> Through the field And coming up behind yeah. Perez his teammate And going on the radio After less than a lap Going lads What about the time here Are we wasting time Which is basically My teammate is slow Get him out of my way And then it happens yeah. You're kind of going Okay And he finished 18 seconds Ahead of Perez In the same machine Having come from the back Of the grid No, he's a fantastic driver He's fu- I think You would agree with me And you would have seen it With Hamilton And I would have seen it With Schumacher think, In the early days He's fu- His groove last year was a battle right up until the final corner, the final lap, and it was a lot of stress and a lot of hassle. This year, he's so far ahead. It's a question of when now, not if he's going to win this Formula One championship. He's coming into his own and he has, as you said, the best machine uh, under him to do that. And when you hear Toto Wolf talking about, you know, we'll be announcing what's happening with next year's car and Hamilton looking forward to next year. And there's still so many races to go. It's kind of going, okay, here we go. This is is his championship to lose. No, he's not going to lose. It's a question when he'll win it but you got to give him credit because you you might have the equipment, but you still got to drive it over the line
4: first. 100%. And I think he learned, I don't don't think there was any more he could have learned from last year. I think it was a real, like pardon the pun, but like crash course in, you know, the winning a championship the hard way. Um, I think it couldn't have been any more dramatic than it was. And this year, he's probably even going to be quite grateful that it's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's just been able to show people out on track that he has the strength and it you know he can win when he's not fighting Lewis Hamilton like he can you know separate himself I think a bit from Lewis because that first world championship is always going to be you know the two names are going to be together it's not going to be all about him and I think he would love to win one and based on his performance so far he would deserve to win one that is just solely about his performance and I do think I hate to say it, even though we're so, you know, there's still so many races left, but I I do think it is probably inevitable at this point.
1: Indeed, I don't think you need to hate to say it. I think everybody kind of knows it now at this stage, but as you, I think that's a very good point, actually, that he deserves to win one in a commanding fashion because every world champion that preceded him has done that. I think he mm-hmm. certainly looks like he's going to do that. Before we move on to talk about George Russell and my beloved uh, failing Ferraris, not Farza Ferraris, uh, great news that the Belgian GP will be back again next year.
4: Yes. Thrilled. Um, they literally announced it just before, uh, the kind of race build up, which was good timing. I think, you know, a lot of excitement around that announcement. And then as we said, maybe not the most exciting race to back it up, but, you know, Spa has produced some of the best races of, you know, Formula One history and, and hopefully it'll continue beyond next year as well. Um, kind of TBD on that but I feel mm. like even if they were renewing it on a yearly basis I think people would just love to, to see it stay on the calendar
1: yes very much so it's uh, just so, such, such a special place got a lot of uh, fond memories as well with Jordan uh, back in the days on that particular track and I hope it stays on for one of those reasons now the Leclerc and Sainz show, you know, another day at the office for Ferrari. They did just about what they should have been doing. I, I'm of the opinion now with Ferrari and I'm going to let you talk about George Russell because that's a more positive story. But from Ferrari's point of view, I can see this season petering out there. I can just see it. Mm-hmm. like, And my, my concern and my I suppose why I'm angry as a Ferrari fan is I think that car in the hand of a different driver, that cannon, that car, that Ferrari in the hand of a George Russell or even, God forbid, Sir Lewis Hamilton, they would be challenging much closer to Red Bull. Now, I know a lot of team and lack of team tactics has hurt them. Mm. And I do like Science and I do like Leclerc. I think, you know, they need time, obviously, need a year in the car, maybe more to, to you know, to to make their mark. But they, I just think a more seasoned driver, a more composed driver in one of those cars would have Ferrari a lot closer to the front. That's just what I'm getting at. I'm
4: going to disagree. And I think it's, At the beginning of the year, I would have agreed with you, like up and down seemed to be, a lot of it seemed to be down to do to the drivers. But some of the team radio yesterday was just, I mean, phenomenal. They were basically asking Charles Leclerc to write his own strategy as he's out there driving at 300 kilometers per hour. Like... It's almost as if they hear the criticism of them as a team around the strategy, and they they're, they're kind of going, "Okay, we're going to tell the ask the drivers to make the decisions, but then it's their fault. Mm. People can't point the finger at us." I think, I don't think it matters who you give that car to. I think it is just unfortunately this year Ferrari on are on a self destruct yeah. mission, okay. um, and I think ugh, it's an awful waste of Leclerc and science. And I actually think there's enough there's enough frustration for me with the Claire in particular, that I'd be worried about what he's going to do next. I don't yeah. know, you know, obviously the Ferrari is kind of the gold standard, you know, historically of formula one. And I think every driver at some point would love to drive a Ferrari. but is this another Sebastian Vettel situation? Mm. Um, you know, I really hope not, but he is, he's really fed up. Um, and even the small things like them putting on the wrong tires in Collie on Saturday, you know, not a huge deal, but just they shouldn't be making these mistakes. And he, there are parts of that that he can't control. Yeah. So I think I think you know what the frustration is is very well founded.
1: Yeah I, I would it's hard to disagree with that assessment to be fair to you yeah I just I just uh, I, and uh, of all the Formula 1 teams in the paddock the one that is most self-conscious since Jordan about its image is Ferrari because it's mm. just they're not going to win the World Championship but they better damn well look good uh, when they're <laughs> at, at all the different tracks and I just I just wonder because like let's talk about George Russell because again mm. overshadowed completely again this weekend with Max's fantastic run, and rightly so Max deserves the headlines and Sergio Perez coming in second but like once again you've talked about him and I've talked about about his consistency, and he took it to the Ferraris this weekend.
4: He really did. I mean, I think he was very unlucky actually not to get that third place on the podium. I think tyre strategy just about mm. saved science. You know, Russell was about two seconds off science for kind of the last five to seven laps, and then he was told that he had to back off a little bit to save the car. And he did give it one last push, but he only had two laps, and at that point, You're not going to... He just didn't have it in him. Um, So I think, you know, again, just outperforming both the machine and the expectations. And I think huge credit has to be given to him for that. And I think, you know... I would really love to see him in something. I mean, we did briefly last year. I would really love to see him in something that is actually capable of getting results because he 100% has the ingredients to get there. He just needs the right car underneath him. And as you said earlier, Mercedes have basically given up on this year's car and they're already looking at 2023. So let's see what they are able to to pull out for him.
1: Indeed, Very interesting. We're looking ahead already to 2023. Let's do the preview next week. Um, <laughs> Piastri, yet again, yes. he's trending and he's trending on our on our on our weekly chat as well because the Alpine case, as we record uh, this podcast today, is due to go uh, to court wherever the, the equivalent of the mm-hmm. CRB is. Um, your take on this? Because um, there's talk now as well. You've mentioned uh, pr- pr- just before we started recording, Pierre Gasly's name is being mentioned now as well. So where are we with Piastri, and and what is the likelihood of what's going to happen next? In your opinion?
4: Yeah, I think he really might have made a huge mistake. Um, I think he may end up in a scenario where he doesn't have a seat next year, potentially. I think that Alpine, uh, all they're really looking for from this scenario at this point is compensation. In my opinion, I don't think they're concerned about keeping him at all. I think that relationship is sort of the bridges have been burned there too much. And interestingly, Daniel Ricardo in an interview said that he has been getting lots of calls up and down the pit lane so you know it's still silly season there is still time for um, for all these seats to be filled and I just don't know if Piastri is going to be in one Um, as you said Pierre Gasly is is apparently in advanced stages talking to Alpine I think he has had obviously a roughish time, you know, in in the kind of Red Bull family and Helmut Marco has been out trash talking all of his drivers except for Max over the last few weeks. So I don't think You know, nobody's really safe in that environment. So I'm not really surprised he's considering, you know, getting out of there.
1: Yeah, I just, I'm kind of laughing because I know we're going to be talking about Piastri again next week, irrespective Mm of what happens with this. It is sad though, because I think he just got a little excited and he just, you know, foundedly put stuff out on that he shouldn't have into the ether and look what's happened to him now. And you mentioned Daniel Ricciardo again, confirming that he's receiving a lot of interest from a lot of teams. It's funny that Daniel is the only one saying that. But then I just have my doubts about Daniel because, um, You know, everyone likes him. He's a great guy. He's a very, very good Formula One driver. But I think the lack of performance, shall I say, Mm. from the driver this year... Uh, really surprised McLaren to the point you know the McLaren bosses are talking to their bosses going lads I don't know I don't know if you are going to mm-hmm. take this guy on like you know who else is out there I think he's you know it's it's sad to see it because his confidence is shot and obviously when he was in a good car in a Red Bull he, he showed exactly what he could do um, but I, I, I'd be more worried about Ricardo than I would be about Piastri right now to be honest with you. Just, just my take on it um, because unless he does something spectacular in the last five or six races and he's got to he's absolutely got to mm-hmm. um, starting with the Dutch Grand Prix next weekend. Uh, you know, this is a guy that could be very, very quickly forgotten, and we could see him in another. You know, I don't even know IndyCar, or something else like that. I, I don't know. I hope not because he is a good and a competent driver. But I just think it's not even the confidence with uh, with, with Daniel Ricardo. It's just a lack of performance in different tracks and different settings. You know, if it's a, if it's a thing that he's you know he's a better driver in whatever se- scenario. You know, a tight twisty circuits. You say that fine, but he's mm-hmm. he's got like his teammate has shown that he's got a machine under him that he should be doing far far. Better better in if I'm another team owner am I really going to take a risk on this guy especially with the money he's looking for I don't think so
4: yep it is I mean he essentially at this point any seat he would get is based on reputation not current performance which you know obviously as you say is a risk for any team to take Um I think it was it was really disappointing to hear that Zach Brown had tried to sort of punt him to IndyCar mm. before and as like a last resort before announcing that Daniel will be leaving the team and Daniel's been very firm saying like, I don't want to race in anything except Formula One. And I totally understand that. It's a, it's a really hard situation to kind of get to the bottom of because one person will say one thing and then, you know, someone else will say something else. And it's as with many things in Formula One, it's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Mm. Um, you know, Sebastian Vettel was said very emphatically over the weekend. Like I think McLaren have failed to extract Daniel's potential, which is, Mm. You know a stance that not many people have taken. So it's just it's uh, it's a big mystery. It really is, and I think as you say, it would be a shame for him to go. But at the same time, I wonder what a year out do him good and potentially come back revived. The only thing is it's extremely difficult to do yes. that. Um It's very, very difficult to do that. So we'll have to wait and see but I think there's a lot more to come out of that scenario. There is.
1: We're going to have our Daniel Ricciardo slot every week I think from here on in until <laughs> something finally happens. Uh Just finally, obviously this weekend is the Dutch Grand Prix. We'll have uh, all the review of that on next week's uh, show in terms of the driver's standings and the constructor standings. I'm not even going to bother. Look, Max is way out in front <laughs> in the drivers. The constructors is nearly over. You know yourself what's going to happen over the next few weeks it's a question of we'll focus on who comes second and third because that is interesting in the Mm -hmm. midfield as well where teams finish but uh, for now just to say if you don't know uh, it's a great season for Red Bull and a great season for Max they're way out in front Um, All Dutch next week we'll be talking and reviewing how uh, Max gets on his home GP probably going to win it he'll be the favourite to do so but in the interim Sarah where can we find you across social media? (sighs)
4: Yep. So as you mentioned earlier, I'm MacTweets underscore on Twitter. I'm MacGram underscore on Instagram. And if you search Sarah McKenzie F1 on YouTube, you'll find me there as well.
1: Excellent stuff, Sarah. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. Thanks, Chair.
0: Missed the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.
1: Our regular rugby contributor, Wendy Keenan, is back on the Big Red Bench this week to talk about the Ireland women's second test loss to Japan and the positives from an historic tour. We have news of Munster women's under-18s, narrow loss to Connacht, and the start of the new senior 2023 women's AIL with Balancholic and UL Boas in action this coming weekend. Uh, another hugely busy and hectic seven days on the international and the interprovincial, and shortly on the club scene for Munster Women's Rugby. Delighted to be joined by the chairperson of Munster Women's Rugby, once again, Wendy Keenan. Wendy, you're very welcome back to the Big Red Bench.
5: Hi Jerry. delighted to be back again.
1: Thank you. Yes, and thank you very much for organising last week's uh, interview with Irish International, Maeve Oak as well, O'Leary, because we got a big reaction to that. A lot of people were very, uh, enjoyed it, and a, a lot of that interview was played actually on the weekend on the Big Red Bench as well on the radio. Uh, such was the positivity surrounding it. So uh, very, very good to hear that Maeve had such an effect. And I'm sure she'll be delighted with her social media and her marketing skills, and she'll be building on that. But So thanks to her. Um, we start this week with news of the under-18s, the interprovincials, and losing to Connell, but putting in a decent performance Wendy
5: yeah I mean a, a disappointing I suppose start for the girls despite going 7 um, nil up really I suppose the team just never got going um, Connacht were very industrious and they just got the upper hand really and you know for us we have a young side um, hopefully they've learned from the experience and they'll come back even stronger this week um, you know, but some positives to take away. Um, Ellie McNerney scored two tries. One was an intercept try, and one try from a crossfield kick, which was great to see. And a lovely try scored by Neve McCarthy. Who had a pick from the base of the scrum and attacked down the blind side to score um another try. And um I suppose young Katrina Finn converting two of the two of those kicks. Katrina's actually only sixteen years of age and she's already featured for the Ireland Sevens, you know what I mean, and under eighteen. So we're very young talent, you know what I mean, being bought through. Um this Saturday they'll face Ulster, who were I suppose they were comprehensively beaten by Leinster at the weekend. Um we'd love to see lots of support there. Their three o'clock kickoff in Musgrave Park. Look, hopefully, it's a learning curve for the girls. Um, you know, we've been here before where, you know, we've had young teams beaten at the start of a campaign um, and come back even stronger from it and go on to win an Interpros. And for us, we're hoping that that will happen again this time. Um, so, as I say, uh, Ulster next weekend, Leinster the weekend before, and lots of learning to take away from that game.
1: Yeah, and as you said, like the age profile of these players, it's it's very, very early in their careers along the pathway, hopefully to international rugby for a few of them at some point. Um, irrespective of the result, is is, is it too kind of cliché to say that what they get out of these matches, especially when they're playing similarly talented girls of the same age at interprovincial level that you can't really put a price on that? The tackling, the, the speed of the game is obviously a big step up from club.
5: It is. It, it is a big step, and you know. I suppose I've spoken about you know the campaign that they've had all summer in their summer program, and what they've learned from that. I suppose it's bringing it all to fruition and bringing it all together is the hard part. And um, you know we, they've had a couple of you know practice matches, and I suppose maybe we were expecting a, a better performance um, from the girls, but um, just you know we, we had a nervous, real nervous start to the game, and that just trickled through you know key positions and. Um, Kind of got in there with those tries then do you know what I mean at, at those uh, crucial times so I think they'll have learned a lot from it from you know what I mean and I suppose learning to deal with those nerves is, is an important aspect when you're playing for Munster no matter what the level so I do believe they will have learned from that
1: Indeed, and let's hope uh, for bigger and better things for that particular group of players, as you said, playing Ulster at the weekend at Musgrave Park. Hopefully, a bit of a crowd can get down there and support them on their way. Um, We are at, believe it or not, I can't believe it when you said to me before we started recording, but we're at the point where the 2022 women's AIL season is ready to go. Um, Big, big excitement for a lot of the clubs involved, obviously, this coming weekend, and two in particular that we've uh,
5: interest in here in Munster yeah yeah and can i say two senior teams because we've gone through that with the AGM you know with the new recognition um, equivalent to the men so ballancollig will start their campaign away to Gull regions and look they will love to start their campaign with a win away from home um gal regions would have got the edge on them last season so um you know we don't know what's happened during the summer uh, and it's you know with those first league matches Anything can happen, really. Um, so, look, we're, we're wishing Ballonchall the very best of luck luck um, away from home. And UL Bowes are also away from home to Old Belvedere. And um, look they're very strong, very experienced side. They'll miss their head coach while she's been in Japan. Um, but, you know what I mean, they, there's a lot of experience there coming through. And we are looking forward to seeing they have a, a lot of new signings this season. So um, I'm looking, to see, looking forward to seeing those girls in action.
1: Yeah, and as you said, it's senior. So it's a big step up again for everybody involved here, not just the Munster clubs. And it's important that they, you know, they try and get off to a positive start. But irrespective of how they go in the early weeks and months, this is another big step for Munster women's rugby, uh, Wendy, like these are changing times. Um, It's great to see two clubs at that senior level. Hopefully we'll see a few more as time goes on. But is it all about finding your feet initially at what is it's going to be an ultra competitive grade?
5: Yeah, so when look look, uh, I mean, the goals from the two different clubs are, are going to be very different. UL Bowes will want to strong, start really strong. They'll be, you know what I mean, they want to win that uh, Women's AIL League, there's no doubt about it. And and we have a new structure this year where the, the league will be wrapped up before Christmas. Ballancolic, you know, we might say it's a game of survival, you know what I mean? It's only year two where they had, you know, an adapted Women's AIL last season. But um, they would like to finish mid table. They'd like to, you know what I mean, start and compete with with you know, especially with the likes of Galwegians, it'll give them a, an idea of where they their measure is at, um, and I suppose like a middle middle table finish would be a superb result for Collie this season.
1: Yes indeed and good luck to both those clubs we're going to talk to members of each of those clubs as the season progresses certainly here on the Big Red Bench and make sure we keep an eye out and an ear out for how they get on on our weekly segment here on the Women in Sport podcast as well we finished this week uh, on the international front with the Irish senior team historic first tour over to Japan having led the series 1-0 unfortunately they came up short in the second test 29-10 to Japan a uh, thoroughly deserved win for Japan um, and as disappointing as the result is uh, we're going to take uh, the over overall view of this Wendy and take a step back and try and explain to people just how important it was and how again we're talking significance we're talking about club level intervention where we really are talking about something significant at international level when an Irish international women's team go on tour to Japan they tie the series 1-1 lots for Greg McWilliams to think about I think he's gotten a lot of players on the plus side that have come put their hands up for future selection I think that's the big thing and good to see the Munster players doing themselves no harm at all either.
5: Absolutely. Look, I mean, Japan did have a comfortable win. There's no doubt about it. I suppose people mightn't realise that this is an experienced Japanese side. You know, they're preparing for the World Cup, which is only around the corner. They have several players playing on, on a professional level outside of Japan. And look, if you watch the match on Saturday, you have to talk about their number nine, just a beautiful player. Her speed, her pass is just to be admired, admired. Um, you know, and Ireland wouldn't have been used to that humidity either that they're playing with. But I suppose, you know, for me, watching the um, Irish management, um, not they weren't afraid to feature those new girls those new players and give them much needed um game time to see you know what I mean where they are at so if you want to take away the positives we had nine new caps over two tests and that experience will stand to the players you know what i mean going forward you know what i mean it's a really important six nations coming up for this this season we need to finish in the top three and um, to be placed in the upper tier of, a, of the new world rugby um competition but um i suppose there were a couple of talking points just to mention i suppose you know the former England international Joe Brown. Um, she featured for England and uh, for Ireland, and people might say, "How you know there's new rules there in relation to the World Rugby eligibility rules." So um, Ireland have gained Joe, despite having seven caps previously for England. You know, they had a few injuries in key positions. Um, we'll just mention, you know, to me, our own Dorothy Wall had to drop out due to due to injury in the back the back row and Sam Monaghan, second row, was also unavailable. And they would have been key players for him, you know, going into this tournament. Um, our only Cole Cronin, you know, unfortunately getting injured very quickly in the first test. But he will have learned an awful lot in what happened on the pitch on Saturday.
1: Indeed he will, and just the fact I think that the players got to spend a lot of time together, the bonding that goes on off the pitch, which we spoke about in previous episodes as well, you can't really put a price on that. That, that builds um, an inner core, an inner belief that, as you said, Ireland are going to need uh, come later on if they're going to finish in the top three. So disappointing result, but I think there's so many positives on the overall side of things. Again, we're not trying to be too clichés here, but it is hugely important to see an Irish women's senior rugby team on tour performing and let it be the first step of many more tours to come.
5: Absolutely. And I and, and we're not taking away from, you know, underperformance. Mm. They'll be going through their video analysis. They'll have done that by now. There is lots and lots to work on. You know what I mean? And and it's important that we acknowledge that but it is their first tour, you know what I mean, away from home, other side of the world um, and a wonderful experience. And, you know what I mean, it shows the investment the IRFU are now putting into women's rugby. This is only the first tour. There's lots of great plans. I mean, I'm sure we'll have the Amanda Bennett report out soon, you know, and the recommendations from that. And we're going to hear, I would I would suspect in the imminently, we'll hear very much about the, the new contracts that are going to be there for the girls.
1: Yes, lots of positives, as we like to We like to hear those positives. When And there are lots of positives. We're not just putting them out there. And as you said, despite the underperformance and some parts of that game, there's stuff to work on for Greg Williams. And so, look, let's hope for bigger and better from Ireland as the year progresses and into 2023. Before we let you go, there's a very important coaching workshop taking place this weekend in Cork.
5: So next Monday in um, Dolphin, anybody involved in the women's game, 7 to 8.30 p.m. Um, and the topics being covered will be dynamic warm-ups and mobility, and then the tackle and the breakdown. So if there's anybody involved in girls' or women's rugby that wants to come along um, to Musgrave Park to Dolphin next Monday night, 7 to 8.30. Um, tonight they're in, in Chile, but uh, and the following week... Uh, Limerick and John Garvin Um, I'll mention those next week but um, just to get those uh, that message out there for anybody who wishes to attend
1: Excellent stuff as always thank you very much to our resident expert on all things rugby Munster Women's rugby chairperson Wendy Keenan we'll talk to you again next week
5: Thanks, millionaire.
0: The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.
1: EchoLive.ie and the Echo newspaper Camogie columnist Linda Mellorick joins me in this week's podcast to review the latest round of the SE Systems Core Camogie Senior Club Championship, the permutations for each of the groups heading into the next round of matches. And I get reaction from Clodov's SE Systems Senior Championship win over Noosestown from Lisa Lynch, Breach Corkery, and Anne Healy. Now, the 2022 SE Systems Cork Camogie Senior Championship is seriously hotting up um, after a couple of rounds of action, four groups, lots of fantastic games and some terrific individual performances already this season. There's only one person to turn to if that's the case, and that is the Echolive.ie and the Echos uh, Camogie uh, columnist, Linda Mellerick, who joins us here on the Big Red Bench. Linda, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How you? I'm very good. Um, we we met at the weekend at, a, at one particular game uh, where we were both attacked, not by the crowd, but by midgets and flies and God <laughs> knows what else. You survived, I assume.
6: They were still biting me in the car about a half an hour later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, disaster. Now, I now have fly spray in the car, anyway, for going yes, forward. <laughs> as do
1: I. Not that the people care about the media, the poor media that suffer I for know, their art. but that's just one of the things we have to put up with. But let's get down to business here because it is all action in the SC Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship. Group A, Glen Rovers and Ascara, Douglas, Killa and Corsi Rovers. How is this group shaping up so far, Linda?
6: Well, in Ascara, top at the moment, with two games played, they're on four points, they're winning a draw. Uh, the Glen are behind them on three points. Uh, they've a scoring average of plus six over in Ascara based on their big win over Douglas, um, whom in Ascara have yet to play. Uh, Killer are third on three points, but they've only played one game. The Glen have played two. They lost to In Ascara. Um, so uh, Killer and the Glen are next up and that, that would be a key game for them. Courties, um are on one point they've only one game played. So a lot of teams have two games played, but some still only have one played. So there's still a long way to go. But for those who have two played and are kind of in the driving seat, you know, depending on who they've got left to play, you know, the fact that Innescara have beaten the Glen at this point um, is a big one. But both teams still have to play Killa uh, and that, that'll be key. So I was impressed with Innescara against the Glen. Um, the Glen started off very well for the first quarter. Oscara were loose and loose the marking sense at the start of that game and Emma Murphy flew into action and got a couple of points then they settled and I think their speed their physicality and their better distribution overall got the, got the upper hand over the game who got a bit distracted and, and jagged mm. um, as the game wore on they got kind of lost their shape when they were chasing the game Lauren Callan was obviously a big loss for them but you know you can't really blame that because Katie Omani on the other side was a loss for Nascara. So, you know, a very impressive in a SCAR performance, I I feel. Obviously, there's so many games on at the same time. We're trying to cover as much as we can. Mary covers them, I cover them. And then the Echo, try and fill, fill the gaps where they can. So I haven't seen Killer play yet. I haven't seen Courtsy play yet. Um, I haven't seen Douglas play yet. But from Iniscarra and the Glen, um, at the moment, Iniscarra look look to be the, the top four team there, and it could well be between the Glen and Killer as to who comes second. But um, you don't know, as um, and it's important for your Rovers as well against Douglas to try and get a big score there, so that you know third place as well, being on score, in on scoring average to reach the quarterfinals might get you through. So there's still an awful lot to play for in that group.
1: Yeah, there certainly is. And as you said, your match report from the Inescara Glen Rovers is one of many match reports that yourself and Mary Newman, you can read on echolive.ie and every week in the Echo Monday to Saturday. Um, I just think myself there, Innescara putting up 120 on Glen Rovers is a very, very impressive score, especially with a team with the experience of the Glen. Um, And I'm going to keep an eye on Innescara because I think they could well, uh, they could well go deep this season, Linda.
6: Uh, yeah, totally agree. Um, in Ascara, you know, they only scored 11 points against Cody Rovers and they drew with them in their first round. But In if I recall, lost the first round last year and still reached the final. They tend to start slow. Their first round is never their best game. And that goes the same for a lot of teams. But they really up the ante against the Glen. And uh, so their next, I think they have a bye this weekend. so and, and they won't be out till Saturday, the 10th of September. And then they play Killa um, and then their last game is Douglas. So at the moment, they're kind of in a very good position.
1: They are indeed. On to Group B, Fodder O'Neill, Sarsfields, Clidove, Neustadtone and Ballygarvan battling it together with this particular group. We were in coachford last Saturday to see Clidove put up two fifteen on a very disappointing Newstone and a disappointed Neustadtone after the game. How impressed were you with this Clidove uh, performance, Linda?
6: Yeah, Clidove will be thrilled with where they are. They have two wins from two. Um, they feel themselves, they, you know, they're still improving, but this has given them a massive confidence boost. Um, it was a, it's a great start for them. They probably have their the tougher games ahead, though. They're playing Sars, I think, this coming Sunday. Then they, play, play, then they face Ballygarvan. That game could turn out to be the spider between Ballygarvan and Trudov to who finishes second. So, you know, it's still all to play for in this group. Uh, I haven't seen Sars play yet. I would have expected them to have scored more than 211 against Father O'Neill's, though. So that would concern me from a SARS perspective. Bally Garvin are also on three points. Um, SARS are ahead on scoring difference there. So at the moment, you know, um, Kledov on six points with two games played. Father O'Neill's and Nusa son on two games played, each, but have zero points returned from those. So then you've stars and Ballygarvin both on three with only one game played and Khadouf have yet to play Sarsfield and Ballygarvin. Um, you know, on reputation you'd say Sarsfield would top the group and Khadouf and Ballygarvin would be fighting for second spot. But you don't know. You don't know. Um, but yeah, so far so good. And for, for Khadouf I think Neil MacNabola, Lisa Lynch, Laura Buttermore, Ava Barry Murphy, Rachel Hurley, Amy Shepherd, they're all doing very well and could will be delighted be where they are at this moment in time.
1: Indeed, that looks like another very enticing group that's going to go uh, right to the wire. Group C, the Bars, Air Oak, St Catherine's and Ballin Um Five very, very good teams here, but who do you expect to come out of this one? Um,
6: I know you say good teams, but I think it's the easiest, it's the easiest group. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people are talking up St. Finbar's, but I think they haven't been stretched yet.
1: Um, yeah, they got three twenty-three now against Airog, which is a hugely impressive score. But I suppose, is the second place really the one that's up for grabs here behind bars?
6: Yeah, I think it is. You know, I mean, Ballincollig in his scheme, really, you know, zero point, zero return at this point. Airog, to be fair, had a good win over Ballincollig, But Ballincollig, you know, I don't know what's gone wrong on Colleagues the last number of years, but they're just not performing. Errol will feel themselves; they're still they're still developing. Um, St Finbar's would be a long way down the the road as regards underage and development than than Aero. So I would think St Finbarrs are going to top this group pretty comfortably at the moment. They've got twenty four points scoring different. Now I know they've two games played. St Catherine's and Errol are probably going to battle for second place here. Um, Again, on reputation and experience, you, you, you'd be tipping um, St. Catherine's there. But again, you don't know. Um, I think it's important for Catherines as well to keep the. They're playing St. Finbarrs next. I this weekend. I think it's important for St. Catherine's to keep the score down here. Mm-hmm. As if their game, for example, if their game against Aroke finishing a the draw, then scoring difference could put them through. So, you know, I think the key game there is going to be Rogue and. Um, Erogan and Catherine's, And I'm not sure exactly when they're playing. I think they're playing in round four. Yeah, I think they're playing in round four, which is this weekend of the 10th of September. So I think that's going to be the key decider there is to come second with, with the bars topping it.
1: Indeed. And finally, Group D, Carbery, Avendu, Shandun, Immokilly and Carrickdown. Um, obviously, Shandoon will be the favourites to come out of this one. Have you seen enough from Shandoon so far to suggest that they're going to be in the running once again?
6: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, the wins from two, but very high scoring. I think it was 421 the first day and 520 the second day. Um, very high scoring. They have an average of plus 55 after two strong performances there against Carberry and Imakili. Uh, um has one win from two, leaving them on three points. Uh, look, still, the scoring difference doesn't really matter here too much unless two teams finish top on level points because only one team will advance. It, 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 there's no second place and there's no third place runners up here. So it's a case of really having to win all your games. have and do on Sunday and if they win their, that they're probably home and host. Um, they are missing a few key players for it but their panel should be strong enough to cope with that and with Ashling Thompson now gone from Avendu and I understand Rachel Hartley is also unavailable for Sunday probably balances out a bit. Um, the only way I, if, if Shandu have and do could they still be caught if they beat Avondhu? Could they still be caught unless the McKillie run all of the remaining games and Shandoon lose either to Avondhu or Carrickdoun uh, Car- or Car- Car- sorry, Car- Down or Carrick sorry or Do, They could top, but they would need a massive jump and scoring difference, I think, to overtake Shandon. And um, Do uh, have only one game behind them. They would need a win in the remaining three games to shock the group and win it. Um, so, yeah, look, again, I think Shandun here are going to top. But, you know, I I, don't, I think un, until they win against Avendu on Sunday, they'd be hoping to win. And then that probably really puts them in the driving seat uh, with just a, home, uh, a game against carry down left.
1: Yeah, there's just so many permutations, which is what you like to see. Uh, there are favourites emerging from each of the groups, but I think um, there might be a few twists and turns yet, Linda, before we get out to out to the knockout stages. Let's hope so. Before I let you go, um, news as well this week. Unfortunately, a massive blow for Cork and for Milford. Uh, it's been confirmed that star player Ashling Thompson has damaged her cruciate ligament and is now up to for up to out for up to a year. Rory Noonan reporting that on Echolife.ie. Uh, huge setback for Cork, huge setback for Milford, but for the player herself, um, you know, I thought. Uh, Two, th- this is a real setback, but not something that I don't think actually can come back from Linda.
6: No, I agree. Uh, I know she's an appointment this Friday in Open Century. Um, they were going to operate last week, but she wants just wants to get a second opinion up here on Friday. And you can imagine, you, you may be sure that the operation will be imminent. Um, you know, she's in the perfect job for her recovery. She's a health and fitness instructor in Charleville um, in the hotel there. Um, if anyone look it's the perfect if it's ever going to happen it's the right time of the year to happen they say 12 months you know it depends it depends on what comes out of the meeting in Sanctuary, in you know could she be back in 7 could she be back in 8 you know that's the case you're still early stages next year really um, so yeah look I'm sure she, she apparently is is pretty positive about it you know she'll do everything in her power she has the facilities at her disposal I understand the players have also kind of done uh, agree in a roster to train with her every other night to get her into shape um which 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 shows a great unity in the squad, so um yeah, look massively disappointing, but not insurmountable, I think.
1: Indeed, we wish her all the best, Ashley Thompson, in her recovery. Um, and hopefully we'll see her back sooner rather than later. Lots of action coming up this weekend in the SE Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship. You can catch up with all the reports and all the reviews on echolive.ie and in the pages of The Echo with Mary Newman and with this week's guest, Linda Mellerick. Linda, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome, Jer. Your talk soon. I'm here with Cladoves Lisa Lynch and Breach Cork, founder their SE Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship victory over Newsostown this afternoon. Coach, first of all, congratulations to you both. Lisa, we could start with you, that goal after two minutes that you managed, that was important because it got you some early momentum and you were able to build on it.
7: Yeah, look, I suppose it was a great ball in from one of the girls. And look, we're always being told, to be ready, in that goal, be on it. Sometimes we're not clued in for that. And I was lucky I was in that position, the ball fell nicely and just into the back of the net. And look, it settled us for the, for the first 15. Newstead, I suppose, got on top then for a while, but look, we came out all guns blazing in the second half. We settled. We've a good panel this year, and I think that's what the match is all about, really.
1: Uh, a tough physical game today, rather than a free-flowing one. I think it's fair to say you're going to meet those kind of challenges as the championship goes on. Home important is it for the younger players just to be exposed to that and get used to that?
7: Uh, to be fair, like we've a, we are a young team. We've very like we've minors coming off. We've younger girls, and John, they're the ones driving us on. I'll tell you this now: we're there. We're there to back them up. A few of us are more physical we don't let them go down like on their own you know we're in there for each other we battle for one another but look the pace they bring into our team is super and they're teaching us I'd say more than we're teaching them to be honest to you
1: speaking of youth <laughs> and vigour two fantastic lead points from Breach Corky from yourself um you love playing Camogie I know how much it means to you how much does it mean to be playing in such a, a really good team this year two wins on the, on the board already it's very important as you'd know to gain that momentum early in the year
8: um, yeah look I suppose it is great to be back with the girls um, look the points just came you know maybe the, the I was only just on and you know girls were getting tired and stuff like that so look they just went over the bar look at it with, but um, like that I suppose you know it's great to be back with the girls there's a fantastic panel here um, great bunch of girls and the management are training Training us well, and you know, I suppose, gelling us together. And I think we we know ourselves. We we've underachieved a small bit um, with the last couple of years. And I think you know, we're just training well and enjoying it is probably the most important thing. And I think all the girls are doing that. And you know, um, it was lovely to get a run out today. Well I didn't know whether I would or not, but it was it was nice to to join the girls because I suppose when you're playing or a, when you get a game, you feel more of a part of it as well. And um, so yeah, it was it was lovely to be back.
1: And just another thing is the numbers that you've got this year, you've got a really strong but a very big panel as well. It hasn't always been that way with Clidove, and it's important because you're going to need every one of them as the year goes on.
8: Yeah, I mean, I suppose our juniors are still our juniors are still um, still going. I suppose I wasn't a- regretted this year, so that was probably why I got the game. And um, So, yeah, we have a very strong panel, and I think the the, the second team are really pushing us yeah. on as well, and it's giving loads of people loads of games as well, which is fantastic, and it's great to see... Um, Great to see the numbers out and stuff like that. And all players have come back to the mm. the junior setup as well, which has really brought on everyone to drive on and you know, as, as Lisa said, we're all learning off each other still and that's the main thing.
1: Excellent and Lisa just finally from you two wins on the bones two more games to go this is where you wanted to be at the start no matter how you managed to get there but how important is it for Klidov, you know, to keep this momentum going now because you just can't take your foot off the pedal because there's so much talent in this year's senior championship it's very hard to call but you're in the mix if you keep going the way you are
7: Look I suppose as Breach said the last few years we've underperformed this is I suppose the year that we're we've started well first year in geez, I'd say 10 years we've yeah. started well now and we just want to keep that momentum going because you start as you mean to go on and we want to drive it on from here. The next two matches, they're just as important as these. If we keep this momentum going, we keep the group together, we keep that circle tight. Josh, look, yeah. might be a different Clodove this year, hopefully.
1: Excellent. Lisa, Breeze, thanks very much.
7: Thanks, Nigel.
1: I'm here with Cladoves' Anne-Marie Healy following their SC Systems Cork Senior Camogie Championship victory over Newstone today in Corgeford. First of all, Anne-Marie, congratulations. Um, that's a very comprehensive win and two on the bounce now, so must be delighted with the performance today.
9: Yeah, we're delighted with the girls. The girls have worked hard for this. It's not over yet We've four games in this, and the round robin is great. Hmm. It's two hurdles over, we've another two to go, so hopefully we'll keep going. Yeah, it's all about
1: momentum in these small group games because they're quite important. And you've quite a number of young players that came off the bench today, and some that played really well for you.
9: Yeah, we've a few girls came up now from under 16 that have played Cork under 16, and others with the under 17 developing squad. They really are showing, and they're making their presence felt, which is great, and putting pressure on the older girls as well, which we need as well. Always oh, that
1: early goal from Lisa Lynch inside the second minute. That was crucial crucial. crucial for you because it got you off to the best possible start
9: crucial start great start and they built on that now we missed another few but look that's the way it goes Newstown are a tough side I'm sure they'll do well in their next game but we were lucky today. We got a bit of a rub of the green and we'll yeah. keep going on to the next one. It
1: was a very stop start second half. There was quite a lot of fouls. It's just one of those games but gee, I think that second goal from Niamh McNabola that really did settle you down.
9: Niamh played very well. They all played very well. Look, that's the way it goes in games. You're going to have scrappy games. The heat, everything today like it was a factor as well yeah. and look, we got over it and that's what we wanted. Two wins under the belt, two matches to go but
1: you must be delighted with the momentum that you've gained as I said at the start but um, does, it, does it help to those games come um, on a regular Basis bases week after week gives you time to prepare? It
9: depends if you have the injuries or not. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> you know, true, it's, it's great. Um, at the moment, we're not, we don't have injuries. Yeah. We have girls playing football as well. Yeah. That's a factor. Like, we, next week now, we have girls playing football on the Sunday. Yeah. We're out on the Monday. Yeah. That's going to come into a big factor. We're out again the following weekend. They have football as well, yeah. so... <laughs> I wish that could be different but that's the way it is so
1: okay but just for now following today you must be putting up a good True. score as well Two fifteen is a really good day for you
9: super anybody gets two fifteen, super score like and as long as we keep it going on to the next match excellent stuff thank you very much
0: thanks the big red bet Saturday and Sunday from 6pm
1: the second round of the 2022 Cork LGFA senior club championships delivered another set of intriguing matches and no little controversy echo live.ie and echo newspaper chief sub-editor Rory Noonan joins me on this week's Big Red Bench to discuss. Moran defeating Kinsale for my edging Valley Rovers, Clanakilty's first ever senior win at the expense of Inch Rovers, and Ada squeezing past Pride Rovers. We also look at the opening round of the Intermediate County Championship results and look at the state of play in the Junior A and B Championships. Right, now on the Big Red Bench, we're joined by the chief sub-editor of Echolive.ie and the Echo newspaper, Rory Noonan, to go over the past weekend's action in the Cork LGFA Senior Club Championship. Rory, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you?
10: great Joe sure. thanks for
1: having me back again yes excellent stuff we have a lot to get through but we're going to start with the game that was played on Monday night and that was the game between Clonacilty and Inch Rovers in Killa in group 2 um, a significant result on the night 114 to 112 for Clonacilty their first ever win at the senior football championship but it came at a cost because the sending off of Cork inter-county goalkeeper Martina O'Brien um, was the one disappointment at the end of that evening but let's just focus on the game first because uh, you obviously were there and you were on behalf of the echo it sounds like a very tight game and a game in which inch really roared back into it in the second half
10: exactly you just said a were spot on like the first half it was it was really all clan, and they were very very impressive you know i I thought they, you know they were moving the ball fast their fitness levels everything about them was 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 very impressive on on, on the night in that first half they were one nine to four points up by half time and and they looked all over to be honest with you at that point um but in fairness, I suppose to, to Inch give them credit. They they came they came back at them in the second half. The goal, I suppose, came in kind of in the last few minutes for Inch to give them then a bit of bit of a bit of life and a bit of kind of you know reason to keep going to the end. That made it one nine to one fourteen at that point, and they got the last three points to to tighten it up. But overall, you know, it was great for Clan to get their first win. They definitely deserved uh, the win on the night. They had some great great displays, and um, obviously the. C. O'Leary had a very, very, very good game for them. But Kira Ryan at centre forward probably was the pick of the team for them. Like, you know, she was she was outstanding on the night. Um, you know, they couldn't they uh, they couldn't uh, stop her. They won seven of their total. So, you know, she 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 that, that that'll give you the, the the level of the game she played on the night. Um but overall as a team, um, they were very, very impressive and they can take an awful lot from that match, you know, as you said, their first match up senior and, and to to get off to a winning start because no matter what you say, going down to it to play inch is never never easy, and uh, that was shown in, in the second half the way inch came back. So they'll be they should be very very happy with that. The negative, as you mentioned, unfortunately, was Martina sending off late on. And um, obviously, it, what was said afterwards was that it was something that she said to the umpire uh, that she got the red card for. Um, like a lot of people who were standing at the, on, the, on the halfway line, we call it for the want of a better way of putting it. You're not going to hear what was said from there. So I don't know whether she said what she said or not, but that's what the referee gave her the red card for her. What he said was that something she said to the umpire, and she got the straight red. So now, unfortunately, it looks like she could potentially be missing for up to two matches for, for Panic um going forward next the next two games, which will obviously be a huge loss to them.
1: Yeah, and as I said, it's the one negative, I suppose, coming out of it from Clan's point of view. Historic, and they're like winning their first ever senior club match, but they've got Ada and they've got uh, St. Val's in their next two matches before playing Bright Rovers. And we, Again, we don't know what the appeals process is going to take, when or where, if that's going to happen. So we're not going to talk about that. But what we do know is that... Uh, at worst it's going to be two games without their goalkeeper for Clonacilty, something that they're just going to have to overcome and hopefully ride it out towards the end of the, uh, of the group where they face Bright Rovers in their final game just one quick word on inch rory because they were look they were well beaten in the first day out um uh, you know, by by, uh, by bright rovers, but they, they bounce back really well here. They're a very experienced team. There's an a lot of experience in that team. Obviously, you know they're up against it. No, they're not playing next weekend. But their final two matches against Ada and that last one against Val's could well be crucial for them if they want to get anything out of this group.
10: Oh, absolutely. And it's just simply case of they have to win them. End of story. You know, you can't put it any other way at this stage. I mean, you know, you have they'll have to beat Ada. They have to beat Val's if they are going to progress the, in and into the champ in the championship, um, you know Sarah Harrington played well for them um, at half-back last night. Um, Annie Walsh was probably their standout player again. She got she got eight points for them again. And Marie O'Connor got a great goal. Um, you know being the, the former Cork player like Annie Walsh, but they're just you know they they have a couple of injuries and and, and things like that that are probably are hindering them at the moment. But uh, any you know if, they, if you take Annie Walsh. Sarah and Marie O'Connor out of that team um, they're, they're struggling a bit Tara Hickey went off in, injured at halftime as well last night and like she had started well for them as well um, they missed her influence in the half forward line in the second half but you know you would be worried about Inch um, going forward I, on the displays I've seen of them so far can they be the Hatter? I would be slightly reluctant to say they can um, but the value's match they should, they should, they should be But, but you, but, but within you never know. You know they're they're the type of team now that will rally over the next week or two, and then will come out all guns blazing. I suppose from their point of view, the big thing that would disappoint them is in the both matches, the bright match, their first match, and against against Klan is that they had bad starts, and and you can't afford to do that at senior senior level. Just simply can't afford to do it because as you know yourself, mm-hmm. you get off to a bad start, it's very very hard to recover.
1: Yeah, that's it, and that's the thing. But as I said, I think I think it was interesting what you said there. The key with Inch, I think, in the, in the position that they're in compared to other senior clubs, the experience they've got and the sideline with Noel O'Connor with all the selectors and those players, they know what it takes um, to get out of those situations. There is one sting left in the tail of that Inch team, so it may well come down to that final game against Fals, We'll see, but uh, a lot of football to be played yet. The other game uh, in that particular group uh, between, uh, sorry, in Group Two. Involving uh, Clonacilty and, as we said, Inch Rovers was Ada and Bride Rovers, and Ada uh, coming out on top here, uh, two nine to one eleven winners again, another narrow. Uh, victory and it just shows how tight it's actually going to be this year in the actual championship itself. Um, we talk about uh, they've they had injuries going into the game but they also uh, lost Sarah Lee the last day to a hand injury and they're already missing Marie Ambrose but on this occasion um, they came out on top winning two ten to one twelve. Uh, bride Bright were up 7-6 at half time, but it has ability again to build in their previous win over Val's. Saw them uh, twice finding it in the second half. Amy O'Connor and Caitlin Smith raising green flags there with Roisin Phelan once again. Rachel Lee Bridget Wall and Maeve McGrath also impressing and just a quick word on Bright Rovers disappointing result obviously for them but once again Katie Quirk underlining her class scoring 1-6 and they also had Sarah Murphy and like Savifa Reardon, Eleanor Hearn, Grace Carney, and Leah Hallen uh, playing well as well but a, a very important win for Ada and considering the injuries they've got Rory as I've mentioned there to have, to have two wins on the board um, a real boost for them heading into the second half of the group stage
10: Absolutely, and and I suppose if, if if we're honest, ahead of the match, everyone would have probably fancied Bright to beat them. So you know, from Rathope at a point of view, it's a it's a huge win. You mentioned one of the goal scorers there, Amy O'Connor. I'm <laughs> wondering, have we got another another jewel star in the making here? You know, the well-known Comogie player, no, 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 playing with, with a header, and um, in in football, um, Joe Looney, the manager, I, I believe, uh, True Hannah, her, his his daughter, kind of tried to convince Amy to come down and join them <laughs> which she which 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 she has. Um and you know, she was it was a very, very good underage player with with, with Cork. I think she played up to minor, if my memory is correct, with Cork and ladies' football. And um, she hasn't played in about I think about ten years or so at this stage, giving away her age. You now she probably killed me for that. <laughs> but <laughs> she's she I think she's played in about football in about ten years. And and I'm told that believe it or not, she went down for the first time, trained Saturday played on Sunday and got the winning goal so yeah, that yeah, kind rider of rider over stuff to, to, there, the, to, the lev, rider over stuff like you know so but for Ahada you know that was a huge huge win and as you said they have two wins on the board now a massive confidence boost to beat a uh, very very much a fancy bright side to take top spot in that group you know so that's a huge huge win for Ahada and Indeed, you know, it is. have a yeah. big match coming up Big match
1: coming up now against away to Clane, so that's going to be an interesting one. It is for two teams, yeah. That, that, that obviously want to win and keep the momentum going. And as well, uh, this this weekend, uh, an equally important match, a chance for Bright Rovers, um, you know, to bounce back uh, here, and they're taking on St. Val's. And the St. Val's team to put it up to Ada for long stretches of their opening game, where they where they, do, they they lost narrowly as well. So a lot of football to be played yet in Group Two this weekend. Bright hosting St. Val's and Clanachilti welcoming Ada to Hamilla. Now we turn our attention to Group One in the senior football championship and once again the reigning county and Munster champions um, as if it needed saying and if we needed reminding Rory they in a repeat of last year's county semifinal 10-19 to 3-7 final score Mornabby defeating Kinsale and this is a good Kinsale team clearly Mornabi, um have all their players back clearly they are not giving up anything lightly this year and once again one player on that team starring with, the, with our top scoring
10: absolutely I mean you know you mentioned there, like they, they, they are definitely are laying down markers here and, and saying to all others you know you want our title you're going to have to really really up your game and battle hard for it but um, Duran Duran is just Duran O'Sullivan has just been an unbelievable form for them Um, you know she played 40 minutes believe it or not in that match and I think it was 6-3 Six she ended three, up yeah. with she played yeah she she played she only played 43 or 44 minutes the previous weekend and had 5 goals as well in that game and a couple of points like so she that I mean she's not playing full matches and look look at the score she's returning. You know, come to the later stage of the championship when it's highly likely she'd be on for for, for the full sixty minutes. You know, you, you if you were, if you were facing into that you would be a little bit fearful. Mm. So she is absolutely on fire at the moment. Um, and she's been backed up by others. Like I mean Kira pulls Kira O'Sullivan her sister pulls the strings as well the half hour line and you know leads, that leaves defenders all over the pitch trying to mark her. Laura Fitzgerald insider is, is, is in good form as well but they certainly are letting everybody know you know you want our title as I said you know come and try and take us and they really have laid down two big markers in those first two games
1: Yeah they have and when you think of the likes of Laura Fitzgerald and Ryan Deirdre Cronin like the rest of that forward line not to mention the backs they look like they're getting getting up to speed very very quickly and it's, it looks like it's going to be very very hard to take that title from them just a quick word I can say their first appearance of the season Jenny Murphy um Contributed two of Kinsale's goals in a game as well that Cuivo Horgan added 1-1 Orla F- F- Finn Cork Senior as well kicked three points Quivo Callan Fahern and Kate Redmond also on target there and Kinsale will be looking to bounce back from this opening day loss uh, as quickly as they possibly can the other game in that group was a very very important one um, and it was between Valley Rovers and Fermi. Now Valley Rovers depleted in their opening uh, loss to Airog taking on a Fermoy team um, that are uh, an, an equally uh, talented Fermoy team this year and a lot of expected of them they suffered a, a hammering at the hand and more Abby in the opening game as we as we said uh, in the previous podcast, but in this instance, from I led two six to one eight at the break in Brinney um, after Teresa Murphy netted her side's second goal. Um, Abby Scanlan had originally found the net there, but. Um, in the end, it was Formy who edged a cracking encounter, two fourteen to three ten, by a single point. So disappointment once again for Valley Rovers, but a much improved performance. The fact, I suppose, um, on day sorry, I should mention Michelle O'Regan here for them uh, for Valley Rovers. She scored one seven, um, and Clean O'Regan weighed in with two one. But uh, the returning Kylies from the United States were back. They put in a ferocious effort from Valleys, losing by a point. And um, before we talk about Formy, this Valley Rovers team haven't got much time to you know, to dwell on this now, Rory, because they face a crucial, crucial game this coming weekend against the other team that they play alongside in the West Cork, LGFA, Underage and Adult Leagues and that's Kinsale. So a lot riding on this because Valley's final game will be against Moran with the greatest respect. We don't expect them to beat Moran in that game. It really is do or die you now for them against Kinsale this weekend
10: oh absolutely i mean they, they, as you said they've two matches played and they haven't they, they don't have any points on the board yet so they will be looking to the kinsale match now to um, to try and um, pick up their first points of the season and um, they probably showed enough against against Ramoy, uh, to say that they they're in a very very good chance they'll probably go into the kinsale match as slight favourites you know and um, siobhan o'leary is still missing for kinsale and you know she she's a big loss for them whether she'll be back or not for this match is a bit unclear yet. Um, because she's still sta- she will still she was still oh sorry, in the that's so how I checked. Um, but if she is back, she obviously would be huge addition-, addition to them to to conceal. But in terms of Valleys, you know, for my it was always going to be a tough match. They've they've rallied from that from that first first defeat of where they only got a single point against their rogue and they they hit back well and hit back, um, and another day they, they they could have come out on top. Like they were just a little bit unlucky, but you know. For my Valley Rovers are two probably very close teams. Kinsale aren't going great at the moment. I think Valley Rovers would probably take that one or they should take that one.
1: Yes, and just uh, just finally on on that group in terms of Fermoy getting that victory, very very important for them as well because um, obviously as we said they'd come up short against Mournabie in the opening game, which we expected. But uh, this is there's a real no they're playing Errolg this coming weekend, and that's going to be equally tough. But then they have a break until their final match, where again a crucial final game against Kinsale. It looks like Mornabi and Aerogue would be favoured to finish in the top two. But Fermoy are the kind of team, Rory, that maybe along with Kinsale you could see making a real go of the senior B championship this year.
10: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and the arrow matches will, will be will be interesting now to see how they do. Um, you know, in in that because you know they have some of the players that were missing for the Mornabi match back now. The, um, you know Hutchings, Ashling, and, and and a few others, as you mentioned, there already. So like Dave, Dave will add to their squad. They will take a lot of confidence from that win over Valleys because, as you rightly said, Valleys are not an easy team to beat, particularly down on Inishana. And um, so, for from my I don't expect them to to be there all, but they certainly will would, would give them a game. And you know, looking looking at what well, who would be involved in the senior B, um, from what I would be expecting and, and and hoping that they would be getting to the final at the very least at that come that come later in the season. <sighs>
1: Indeed, so that's the roundup for the Senior Championship. Just before we finish up, a brief look at the Junior A County Championship which started this past weekend. Two matches which took place, one at West Cork Derby uh, between two very, very evenly matched teams. O'Donovan Rossa coming out on top, 2-6 to 0-6 away to Donnie's to get their championship up and running. While Bera uh, making a welcome return to the grade as well. They suffered a big defeat at home to Nia Vaughan. and it is Neva who will host uh, the Manway Club Donnie's this coming weekend in the second round. Well, O'Donovan Rossa welcome Douglas to Skibarine and what should be a very interesting game that's a quite a, an open Junior A Championship and a lot of football to be played there. In the Junior B in Group 1, Carrigaline uh, followed up their opening round victory over Rockbourne with a two fourteen to 1-9 defeat of Bishopstown to make it two wins out of two at the top of that particular group. Bishopstown, Nemo, Rockbourne and Corses are the other teams in that. And in Group 2 of the Junior B Championship there's only been two matches played thus far. Uh, Drum Tariff recording a big win three thirteen to 2-6 over Funch and Gales to get their season off to a flyer. And Middleton uh, beating Watergrass Hill one fifteen to not 5 Obviously the the two teams uh, from each of those groups going to the Junior B semi-finals, but it's early days yet but good wins from Middleton and Drum Tariff and they are up and running a lot of football coming again this weekend a lot of things a lot of uh, upsets a lot of excitement again we are th- in the throes of the club championship here in Cork and next week once again on the big red bench we'll have Rory back with us uh, to dissect everything that's happened and also a look ahead to the potential matchups in the knockout round but for now Rory Noonan chief sub-editor of the Echo Live and Echo uh, Echo newspaper and you can find all Rory's work throughout the week on the echolive.e website and in the newspaper on all things Cork LGFA and much much more thank you very much for joining us
10: my pleasure, dear. My pleasure. That's it for
1: another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7 p.m. on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie.
0: The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.